Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 54. The other day I was having a little thinking fun by trying to come up with a few synonyms for Democrat. Some of the words I came up with that are synonymous with Democrat are liar, hypocrite, baby killer, and pervert. Then the fun suddenly ceased as I thought about what the Dems are up to now. All eyes are on Virginia right now. The actions of the Democrats there, who just recently took control of the state's entire political machine, are tyrannical and despotic. The reaction of the people in response to the tyranny is also about to launch America's second civil war. I don't mean a political civil war, but a real one where Americans will be fighting and killing each other. I'll explain the whole sad mess after we get back from paying the bills. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Virginia's been a red state for decades because the people of that great state are largely constitutional conservatives. After all, the state of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and five other presidents of the United States can't help but be in support of the Constitution. But now our Constitution is under attack from the very state that has such a proud constitutional heritage. The only way I can explain the sudden change in Virginia from red to blue without accusing the Dems of cheating in recent elections, which wouldn't surprise me a bit, is to point out the state's geography. Virginia borders our nation's capital, which is 100% liberal Democrat. Many people living in Washington migrated to Virginia because the overall living conditions are better than they are in the swamp. 
The problem is they took their liberal anti-constitution ideologies with them and continue to vote for the very same Democratic Party that turned D.C. into a cesspool. So all of the towns and cities near Washington, where the population is most concentrated, is all Democrat. So the population near D.C. controls the political landscape of the state, whether the rest of Virginia's population likes it or not. The same thing happened in Maryland years ago. The people of Maryland are constitutional conservatives, but all the state's elections are decided solely by Baltimore, which is fully under Democratic control. It all started with the election of Governor Ralph Northam. Northam is best known for two things. One is his use of blackface while he was in college, which isn't surprising because the Democratic Party is the party of slavery and Jim Crow. The other thing he's famous for demonstrates how truly evil the Democratic Party is and how completely devoid Northam is of any sense of morality and ethics. I never say any individual person is evil because that's tantamount to sacrilege since God created everything good. But Northam is a typical Democrat because he's chosen evil over anything good. During a radio interview on a local station in Virginia, the topic of abortion came up. Northam, who's a pediatric physician, told the interviewer he wants abortion expanded in Virginia. When he expounded on that, he talked about the murder of a child that's already born. Northam said when the baby is delivered, it would be made comfortable until the mother decided whether to keep it. Rather than put an unwanted baby up for adoption, Northam advocated infanticide and just call it abortion. Adolf Hitler couldn't possibly think of anything more evil. Then last year, the Democrats took over the legislature and state courts, giving Northam completely unchecked power. That means the entire tyrannical party platform could be implemented in a state entirely populated by constitutional conservatives outside the heavily populated areas bordering Washington. The proposals that are directing the nation's eyes to look toward Virginia have to do with the complete usurpation of the Second Amendment. The bills coming from the legislature in Virginia, completely supported and endorsed by this idiot governor, include not only massive gun registration of citizens' guns, but they outlaw the ownership of semi-automatic weapons. Since the overwhelming majority of guns in this country are semi-automatic firearms, nearly every gun owner in Virginia will automatically be a felon and subject to arrest and subsequent incarceration in the state's prison system. Because Northam knows how Virginia's citizens are going to react, he's asked for an increase in funding for the Virginia Department of Corrections to handle the influx of citizens he intends to send to prison for merely owning a gun. He's also requested a dedicated law enforcement task force to do absolutely nothing but confiscate the guns of the citizenry and arrest them. The citizens of Virginia aren't taking this lying down, though. Over 90% of the state's counties and municipalities have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. One county sheriff even promised to deputize every gun owner in his county to allow them to legally keep their guns. Guns and ammo have been flying off the shelves in Virginia while citizens can still buy them legally. 
In fact, more guns and ammo are being sold in Virginia right now than in all of the 49 other states combined. Virginians apparently intend to fight this communist-style tyranny. What's happening in Virginia has affected other states as well. The proposed tyranny in Virginia has emboldened other Democratic-controlled states. There are new gun control bills being debated in other states right now. And the people's response to things in Virginia has encouraged a similar response in the states that are thinking about following the Virginia political establishment's lead. For example, even in the overwhelmingly liberal state of New Jersey, a county has declared itself a Second Amendment sanctuary county. What this all means is, depending on the final outcome of the proposed gun control laws in the Virginia legislature, that a second civil war will break out nationwide. Americans will begin killing Americans over the Second Amendment. I pray, as we all should, that this doesn't come to pass. However, if it does, it's both morally and constitutionally justified. The first ten amendments of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, are all inalienable rights. An inalienable right is one that is granted to all human persons by God, not the state. They're not included in our Constitution because the government is granting them to us, but rather the Constitution acknowledges these rights are granted by Almighty God and that the federal government is pledged to commit to the preservation of those rights. So what the Virginia political establishment is attempting is a tyranny to deprive its citizens of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Most Americans are really pretty ignorant of what's in the Constitution. The Constitution and authentic American history haven't been taught in our public schools since 1979. That's why the Dems think they can get away with this. Regarding the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, there isn't a single law on the books in any state or on the federal level that is constitutional. Even convicted felons have a constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms, which I'll come back to momentarily. The very first gun control law ever enacted was in 1928, when the government outlawed the ownership of fully automatic weapons. The intention was to keep the popular Thompson machine gun, or Tommy gun, out of the hands of organized criminal gang members. But it didn't work. No average everyday citizen owns a fully automatic weapon anywhere in America today. But there's no shortage of them on the streets. Who owns them? Organized criminal gang members. The very definition of a criminal is someone who doesn't care about obeying our laws. That's why only criminals own fully automatic weapons and everyday Americans are deprived of the right to have one. Now, most ordinary Americans wouldn't want to own one anyway, but that doesn't alter the fact that the constitutionally protected right to do so has been infringed. Why should every American, even convicted felons, have the right to keep and bear arms? Well, aside from the fact that having the ability to defend yourself is a God-given right the government has promised to protect, it boils down to the very reason the framers of the Constitution included the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights. They didn't include the Second Amendment so citizens could go hunting or defend themselves against home invaders and other criminals, although those are welcome side benefits to the Second Amendment. 
The right to keep and bear arms was included so the American people could defend themselves against the tyranny of an overgrown government intent on making slaves out of all of us. Thomas Jefferson said free men do not ask permission to bear arms. He also said a true patriot will defend his country from its government. Finally, he said, the course of history shows that as a government grows, liberty decreases. This last quote is especially familiar to us today because the government is way too big. James Madison, our fourth president, said, Disarm the people. That is the best and most effective way to enslave them. And he also said, Crisis is the rallying cry of the tyrant, which is what the gun-grabbing Democrats have been doing for decades. I mentioned earlier that even convicted felons should have the right to keep and bear arms, just like any other American. There are several very good, irrefutable reasons for this. First, because keeping and bearing arms is a God-given right that's protected by the Constitution. The Second Amendment ends by saying, This right shall not be infringed. Not that it shall not be infringed except for a felony conviction. The government can't take away a right that God has given. We never denied felons the right to bear arms until the 1960s. What changed? Nothing. Secondly, since the most important reason for the Second Amendment is for we patriots to defend ourselves from an overreaching government, who's to say a convicted felon loves his country any less than the rest of us? I used to work in prison apostolate, as I've told you before, and I worked with veterans in prison who fought for our nation for no other reason than the fact that they were patriots. Finally, what about those wonderful welcome side benefits of the Second Amendment I mentioned earlier? Let's say a man learned his lesson in prison, and now that he's out, he's living the straight and narrow. He won't own a gun because he lives a life now that's in conformity to our laws. But how is he supposed to protect his family, his property, and himself from an unjust aggressor if he can't own a gun? Every man has a right to protect his family, his property, and himself from an unjust aggressor. But we've robbed him of that right because he's committed a felony at some point in his life. Many states, especially those agrarian states in the Deep South, would actually give a man a shotgun upon his release from prison, and this was still being done as late as the 1950s. What's changed? Again, absolutely nothing. Anyone who wants a gun can get one. It wouldn't matter if you confiscated every single gun in the world, because as long as there are machine shops, something we'll always have to have as long as we use metal, you'll be able to put your hands on a gun. At the end of the day, there isn't a single law anywhere that stops or even curtails gun violence. Criminals don't give a damn about the law, so they'll always have guns if they want them. Any law in existence can only punish someone who violates that law, not stop people from violating it. Does anyone reasonably think a person intent on committing a murder with a gun will say, Oh, I'd better figure out another way to kill that guy, because it's illegal to use a gun. That's insanely irrational. Leftists don't want to outlaw guns because they care about gun violence. They don't give a damn if you, me, or anyone else is killed with a gun. It's all about power and control. 
The leftists can never have full control over us until we're completely disarmed. The left knows and understands that the Second Amendment exists so we can stop people like them from enslaving us. Guatemala was one of the wealthiest countries in the world until it became socialist under Hugo Chavez when he was elected president in 1996. Today, they can't even feed their own people. How did this happen? Well, the very first thing the socialists did was to disarm the citizens. Once they were disarmed, the government could do anything it wanted and the people had no way to fight back. I don't even own a gun. I sold my guns when I gave up hunting in favor of fishing. Since my stroke, I can no longer safely use a gun anyway. But we live in the country and we're surrounded by neighbors who own and use guns. So when the new civil war begins, and you can be sure that it's going to happen, I think we'll be able to survive and maintain our liberty. God save us, and God bless America. What did Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's Biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. Nebraska Republican Governor Pete Ricketts issued a proclamation declaring that January 22nd, the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade ruling, will be a statewide day of prayer, calling on his constituents to ask God to help end abortion in the United States. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to CVTV. After the whole ugly series of events in which the mainstream media ran the deceptively edited video clip and fueled a campaign of harassment and death against children, here's the one lesson that journalists learned. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to LifeSite News. The online payment system PayPal has cut ties with one of the world's biggest purveyors of online pornography. It's about time they did something right. You can read the whole story by clicking the link on my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to LifeSite News. The Prime Minister of Hungary believes that the Christians who are being protected from persecution today may save Europe tomorrow. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to the Washington Examiner. 
The White House released a list of 319 results of the Trump presidency over the last three years. Vice President Mike Pence said the list was proof of promises made, promises kept. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty sick and tired of the media's reporting on things of national interest, and that includes Fox News. There is very little freedom of the press in America today because there are very few honest reporters anymore. Rather than report facts, they either twist the facts or fabricate stories altogether to support their ideologically driven agenda. When someone criticizes the media, most notably President Trump, they cry that it's an attack on the guaranteed right of freedom of the press, as if the freedom of the press belongs to them. Freedom of the press doesn't belong to the reporters or news outlets. Freedom of the press belongs to us, you and me, we the American people. Absolutely nothing in the Bill of Rights belongs to any group of people but all of the people. The whole reason that freedom of the press is protected by the Constitution is because the media is absolutely necessary in order to have an informed electorate. It's as Thomas Jefferson said, the press is impotent when it abandons itself to falsehood. Unfortunately, today we can't rely on the media for truth. When Fox News began, their tagline was, we report, you decide. I was thrilled because I thought we finally had an alternative to the constipated news network, MSLSD, the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, and other dishonest news sources. But even Fox is beginning to go the way of the other miscreants and malcontents. I haven't heard one honest story from the mainstream media for decades. And about 40% of what I'm hearing on Fox now is fake news, or at least slanted to feed the left's narrative. It's been that way since Paul Ryan became a member of the Fox News Board of Directors. Since we're lied to on a regular basis by the media, it's imperative that we have to pay close attention to both what's being said and what's not being said, and put forth effort to use logic and right reason to figure out what's going on so we can be good, conscientious Americans. Let me give you a few examples, beginning with Trump. I'm tired of the media telling us that Trump is evil, racist, and a Nazi. I'm tired of hearing that this Democrat or that Democrat has the potential to keep Trump from being reelected. It doesn't matter if you like Trump or not, we're being lied to every time they spout this stuff, because they want to change the reality of a Trump landslide this year into a tight race. The media did the same thing with Reagan in 80 and 84, but the application of a little logic demonstrates how we're being lied to. The largest crowds at any Democratic presidential hopefuls rallies is only a few thousand people, usually only in the hundreds. And a few weeks ago, Crazy Joe Biden had a rally where only eight people showed up. Yet at a Trump rally, on a cold October night, the attendees filled the venue with 20,000 people and another 30,000 outside in the rain and cold watching on a big screen. In Minnesota, one of the most liberal states in the Union. 
Does your logic and reason tell you that the leftist narrative that this or that Democrat has the potential to keep Trump from being reelected? Hardly. But that's what they want you to believe. When we took out the Iranian terrorist general in Iraq, the media had a field day telling us we were about to start World War III, that we assassinated that bloodthirsty terrorist, that we committed a war crime, that we infringed on Iranian sovereignty, and that we owed Iran an apology. Even news commentators on Fox poured out this load of bovine feces. Yet none of them demanded an apology for an American being killed let alone all the innocent Americans killed and maimed over the last 41 years. And I'm not even including the thousands of American fighting men that terrorist general is directly responsible for killing and maiming. The media treasonously defended and gave aid and comfort to an enemy that slaughtered thousands of Americans, Iranians, Syrians, Jews, and Christians around the world. Personally, I don't think calling the reporters responsible for such reporting liars and corrupt goes far enough. They should be indicted by our Justice Department and tried for sedition at the very least and treason in many cases, because they are indeed traitors. I used to take for granted that when you were old enough, you simply joined the military before doing anything else in life. I thought that's what every boy was supposed to do when he turned 18, or even 17 and his parents could sign for him. That's what I did. I was in my 50s before I realized that only 1% of Americans signed up for military service and performed their patriotic chore. That makes veterans a very special and elite class. 1% of our people defend the other 99% so they can remain free. While my family situation most certainly isn't uncommon, we have a proud heritage of defending this country in my family. Every able-bodied man in my family has served to protect America all the way back to my ancestor, General Hugh Mercer, in the American Revolution. The men in my family have shed their blood and poured out their guts in France, England, Germany, Italy, the South Pacific, Cuba, Afghanistan, Iraq, and even on our own soil. When the media defends our enemies then, they spit on the memories and sacrifices made by both my ancestors and my sons. As Catholics, we have a moral duty to live the virtue of patriotism. It's a moral imperative that we love America and be willing to defend her. If you're a veteran, I thank you for your service. But I also remind you that when we took the oath to defend this country, nobody told us that the oath had an expiration date. From this wheelchair and more than 40 years after the fact, I'm still willing to fight for America to the death. And I know you are too. Fighting for our country doesn't always entail hurting people and breaking things, though. Veterans are the absolute final defense of our nation. The physical fighting is better left to the young and able-bodied. But all of us can and must fight for America in other ways. It begins by fighting the temptation to be lazy and apathetic. Research and learn the facts, because the media can't be trusted to tell us the truth at all. Then get active and share the truth. You don't have to start a podcast like this one. You don't even have to establish some sort of political organization. 
Just talk up the facts and American exceptionalism to your friends, family, and at the local diner or coffee shop. Just as word-of-mouth advertising is the most effective advertising, so is intelligent, well-reasoned discussion among others in a face-to-face venue. Together, just by being good Catholics, we can rid both America and the Church of the destructive forces that threaten to destroy us. Remember what Ronald Reagan said, If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we'll be one nation gone under. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A French servant girl named Anne waited on her sickly old mistress for many years. The ailing rich old lady once told her about the large amounts of money and property she was leaving to family and friends in her will, but there was no mention of Anne in her will. Shortly before the old lady died, she gave Anne an old painted plaster crucifix and said, Anne, this is the gift I give you in appreciation for everything you've done for me over the years. Anne thanked her mistress, but there was bitterness in her heart. Only a crucifix, she thought. Anne hung the crucifix over her bed and prayed before it every night, but she couldn't help feeling bitter. One night she said to herself, I've been faithful to my mistress all these years, and all I get is an old crucifix. Everyone else who never even came to see her or cared about her is going to get a large sum of money. There's nothing just about that. Don't I deserve more for all my labor and patience with this woman? In a fit of rage and resentment, Anne took the crucifix from the wall and smashed it to the floor. 
Angrily, she shouted, I don't want your gift, Mrs. Wallace. There's your old crucifix at my feet in a thousand pieces. As she looked at the shattered crucifix on the floor, Anne noticed something else. Among the broken pieces of the crucifix lay a large quantity of diamonds, real diamonds. She fell to her knees to look at them. Tears filled her eyes. Good God, she cried, burying her face in her hands. Good God, have mercy on me. Forgive me for being so selfish and ungrateful. Anne ran to her room to apologize to her mistress. She knocked on the door to her bedroom, but there wasn't any answer. She went in, went close to the bed, and found her mistress lying in bed, dead. Besides being in a state of grace, saying prayers and performing good works to gain an indulgence, you can also obtain remission of temporal punishments by accepting your sufferings patiently. In this sense, your cross is like an indulgence. You may want to mock God at times for sending you a cross in spite of your faithfulness, but if you think it over, you'll see that the very cross he sends you can be a treasure. It may have priceless riches of grace, which are far more precious than material things, graces that'll make you happy, and graces that'll save your soul. That's it for this episode, Six Packers. Be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. If you like The Cantankerous Catholic, be sure to write a review wherever you download it so other like-minded Catholics can more easily find it. And be sure to visit my show notes to get links to other things relevant to this episode. As long as you're on the show notes, drop a comment at the bottom to let me know what you think of this episode or to suggest topics for future episodes. If you happen to be on cantankerouscatholic.com for the show notes, download a free copy of The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It, Volume 1, and visit the Joe's Stuff page to get copies of my other books and some really neat coffee mugs. I think you six-packers are the cream of the Catholic crop, and I really appreciate you listening. Just remember, though, comfort and conviction... Don't live on the same This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.